Surely you're joking. It's supported by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash SYJ to get a 30-day free trial with a free audiobook. You can choose from 180,000 bestsellers, new releases, sci-fi, romances, mysteries, classics, and everything else. Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash SYJ. It's a new window on the universe. That's the, what we love to say. And it's, a, and it's a window on the part of the universe that doesn't make light. I mean, also parts that do. But it doesn't make light, and it gives us a, um, an ins uh, insight into the, the dark side. Talking to people about dark matter and neutrinos can be funny. Surely you're joking. Hopefully, yes. What a wonderful universe. Welcome to Sure You're Joking. I'm your host, Dr. Kevin Hickerson. Uh, we have today, we have Griff. Hey, I don't know why I'm still here, but hey. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, we have Jimmy <laughs> Yang. Thank you very much for having me. And today has had some really amazing news. We'll get into that in just a minute. But to talk about it is uh, our guest today, who has been a professor of mine when I was an undergrad here. Uh, I took quantum mechanics <laughs> from him uh, 20 years ago. And today he was part of the big announcement, uh, Professor Alan Weinstein. Thank you, thank you. Glad to be here. So I don't want to spoil, the, I think I'm gonna let you uh, say what the big announcement is, unless you, well, we are, people know by the time. People know about they it. They hear this. But you know, the, the, there was a, in, uh, in the national press, uh, um, whatever it is, national press conference um, this morning, um, our director uh, had the opportunity to say these words and I said, I said to myself, gee, I wish I had the opportunity to say these words. So I'm going to say it, okay? <laughs> Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, huh. we have detected gravitational waves. Massive. <laughs> gravitational and what, waves. And what, and what does this mean? Because I don't know. Fair enough. Very few do, and plus very few people would be so excited by saying those words, but I am. I love it. I, love I tweeted to be able it to say all that. caps. <laughs> <laughs> Tweet away. It, we have official tweeters. We have unofficial tweeters. We're glad to be tweeted. Mm -hmm. Gravitational waves, they are pretty exotic. They're very far removed from the human experience. Uh, and they come from black holes that are orbiting each other at some galaxy very, very very far away. In this case, about a billion light years. And a long time ago. Heard yeah, because that, yeah. it takes about a wow. billion years to travel <laughs> wow, those billion joke, light years at the speed of light, which is the speed at which gravitational waves travel, as far as we can tell. But mm -hmm. we're going to measure that very well in the near future. Anyway, gravitational waves come from black holes, for example. They actually they come from just about everything. But we've never been able to detect them before. They are vibrations of space-time itself. And as such, they are a new form of radiation that allows us to view things in the distant universe in a way we've never been done, never been done before. Wow. wow. So um, this is a big discovery. Now, how did, Kevin was telling me, how does this relate to Einstein's equals mc squared? Everything does, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and Einstein was uh, really on the money on this one. Uh, his general theory of relativity was published in 1915 that described gravity as the curvature of space. And it was immediately verified by a bunch of tests. Um, uh, and then he predicted one year later in 1916 the existence of curvature of space that can propagate at the speed of light through space. Um, and called gravitational waves, he concluded that 
you're never going to see these things. They're really, really weak by the time they get to, to the Earth. And it's really hard to imagine anything that could um, uh, make such things. So like the, later, the Earth gives them off as it rotates the sun, but it's just it's indeed. ridiculously small. That's right. Yeah. In fact, when I was um, a grad student, I was calculating, uh, I was taking general relativity, and one of the problems in the final exam was, I was in Massachusetts at the time, so an angry Massachusetts motorist shakes his fist violently at a car that just cut him off. Calculate the flux of gravitational waves. Which I, wow. which I did. It's not a hard problem, actually. It was an easy problem. And what you get is that the gravitational waves are such that they stretch and squeeze space by one part in 10 to the 53. Wow. One part okay. in 10. So if we're a meter apart, <laughs> that means that, we're, that the gravitational waves are stretching and squeezing the space between them by 10 to the minus 53 meters. Mm -hmm. huh. Really, really, really hard to detect. Given that atoms are 10 to the minus 10 meters and nuclei of atoms are 10 to the minus 15 meters in diameter, okay, it's going to be hard. Mm -hmm. One of the statistics they said in the uh, press conference this morning, I think they said the distance between us and Alpha Centauri would move about the thickness of a hair. Did I get that That's right? That's 10 to the Alpha minus Centauri? 21 meters. Uh -huh. Oh, for, you know, for, the, for the event that we saw, yeah. That you we saw not for the much angry louder motorist. <laughs> because the angry motorist just doesn't have what it takes. What you need, what you need, and I think the angry motorists in Massachusetts are going to hook up with these things, is black holes the size of about... The mass of about 30 times the mass of the sun, but the size of Southern California. Wow. Okay? So that's road rage. And um, you, can, you can get that in, uh, in, 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 um, in California motors. But anyway, these black holes are far away. When they reach us, they stretch and squeeze space by one part in 10 to the 21. Okay? And if you're a meter apart, that's 10 to the minus 21 meters. That's a millionth of the diameter of a single nucleus of an atom wow. or a proton. Can't detect that. Uh -huh. On the other hand, if instead of us being a meter apart, we're f a thousand meters, a kilometer, or in our case, four kilometers apart, okay, then the space is stretched and squeezed by 10 to the minus 18 meters, we can detect that no problem. One thousandth of the diameter of a proton, we can do that <laughs> with the most sensitive measuring device ever built, mm -hmm. which are the LIGO detectors, laser interferometer Gravitational Wave Observatory, LIGO, funded by the National Science Foundation. Woohoo! That's, that's for them funded Because they came up with $200 million for us to spend on this fancy new toy, which is the most, most precise measuring device ever made, and that's what we needed to be able to detect gravitational waves for the first time. And in some sense, this is like sound, because it's ripples of vibrations of space-time, mm -hmm. um, and um, we can hear it. It's actually in the audio band. We are listening to the sounds of space-time for the very first time. Wow. So oh, wow. the device, when you said it's the most precision measuring device, is it it's measuring sound or is it measuring movement no. in the waves? We, it's, it's, it's basically a ruler, right? It's like a very precise ruler. <laughs> actually, no. Actually, it's not. We don't use um, a ruler kind of a thing. We use lasers, of course, and we use timing. Mm -hmm. Not space, but time, to measure the distance between two mirrors that are separated by four kilometers. And actually, we have four mirrors, plus a beam splitter, and they're at right angles to one another, and they're four-kilometer-long L's, L-shaped objects. And we have two of them. 
We have one in in Washington State, Eastern Washington State, and one in Southern Louisiana. And our friends in Italy are building one in uh, outside of Pisa. And our friends in Japan are building one in the Japanese Alps. And we also want to put one in India so that they'll be all over the globe. And we really want to put one in space, but that's a lot more money. Mm -hmm. And that's part of why you call it an observatory, is with all of these, you get to see where they're coming from. And even this one in the announcement, you, uh, they had a, you had a map of where you, it roughly came from yeah, in the sky. Yeah, it's pretty Not rough really. when you only have two detectors, because right. we locate the source in the sky by triangulation. Mm -hmm. You know, we hear, this, we hear it, so to speak. Um, and in one detector in Hanford, uh, actually it came in first at Livingston, Louisiana, and then seven milliseconds later, it came in it at in living in at Hanford, and that allows us to locate it on the sky poorly, and then when we have four or five detectors, we'll mm. be able to locate it pretty well. And then what we want to do is tell every telescope in the world to point there. Mm -hmm. Wow. And um, right now, even with this, even though we had a big swath in the sky, we had twenty telescopes pointing. Oh wow. Um, and we, we don't know yet whether they found anything. So you think there would be a possible visible flash? And I imagine this is from the intensity of the, uh, the waves passing through all the matter that's anywhere near the event, uh, yeah. heating it up. And I don't think they'll find anything, and mm -hmm. they don't really either, because these are black holes, and black holes are black. Right. And they're <laughs> surrounded by space that doesn't have a lot of matter around them, because they've swept all that matter away right. as they orbited. But there are other stars that are almost as compact as black holes, which are darn compact. There are other stars called neutron stars. Mm -hmm. And neutron stars, okay, the analogy is they have the mass of the sun and the size of a, of a city. Wow. Okay? okay. Whereas a black hole that's 30 times the mass of the sun has the size of all of Southern California. That's the difference. Mass of a sun the size of a city. That's crazy. It's kind of like those people that doesn't look that big, but they weigh 200 pounds, <laughs> you know, and they can't, they can't swim well. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they they can't, just, they they're too well. dense. Yeah. They're just too dense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, too dense to swim. If you take a neutron star and take a, a teaspoon of it, it weighs more than the Earth. So right. if you try eating that, yeah, you're going to gain some weight. So the significance of this, this is like almost, is it like detecting a new dimension? Like now we have a new tool. Like we had sight before, we can see light. Now we can see gravitational waves. It's, it's a new that. window on the universe. That's the, what we love to say. Mm -hmm. and, it's a, and it's a window on the part of the universe that doesn't make light. I mean, also parts that do. Mm. But it doesn't make light, and it gives us a, um, an ins uh, insight into the, the dark side. Oh. Of the universe, the darks. So this is like a telescope in itself, but you don't see. You detect the waves. Yeah, it's not a telescopes. The, when we think about telescopes, uh -huh. we think we point them, mm -hmm. and they only look at what we point them to. These are more like antennas. They pick up signals from all directions, which mm -hmm. is sort of why we have such a bad time locating them on the sky because we can pick them up from all directions. Um, but a normal antenna. For those of you who are old enough, and I think I'm the only one in the room, <laughs> old enough to remember um, broadcast TV, and we had these rabbit ear antennas. Oh yeah. And sometimes they worked sort of in a V shape, but usually you'd have to flatten them out into a into a straight line. Oh, is you that know? the best way? You you straighten well, it out. Well, it depends. Because my know. parents have it. I'm just messing with it You're all the time. Messing with it. Right? <laughs> exactly. I can never get CBS. It all depends on where the transmitters. Depends on where the transmitter. Anyway, so those are called dipole antennas, and they they often work best when they're like um you know just uh, the two 
the two pieces of metal are you know making one long line. Mm-hmm. Ours is an antenna in which it's L-shaped, so the angle between the two arms is 90 degrees rather than 180 degrees. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? The gravitational wave goes by. Sorry, you have to see this. The gravitational <laughs> wave goes by and it, it like stretches space in one direction. Mm-hmm. and squeezes space in the other direction, and then it's a wave, so it changes sign, so it goes back and forth. And I'm doing this, you can't see it because it's just a podcast, but my <laughs> arms are 90 <laughs> degrees, and they're going back and forth, and I am doing the gravitational wave. <laughs> Looks like a dance. It's You're like, doing, a like I'm doing dance. the gravitational wave. It's like he's doing the nene. Yeah, know, for, the, <laughs> for those of you who can't see, it looks like a, like an air traffic controller who wants to dance at the same time. But at a perfectly <laughs> 90 degrees angle. And, yeah. and the, the motion of the two arms was was out of phase. That's yeah. the other there thing. There was okay. like one, one arm squeezes, one short, then switch. Dude, this is a new if dance. you want to see this, by the way. The gravitational pull. The gravity, it, yeah, it's the wave. And if you <laughs> want to see this, by the way, out there, um, just go on to, you know, Google Dance Your PhD. Huh. Okay, Dance Your PhD. So one of my PhD students, Carrie Hodge, who's a phenomenal actress as well as a brilliant scientist. Uh, Carrie Hodge is Dance Your PhD. Look it up. We do the wave at the end of that one. Okay. Ooh, awesome. okay. Awesome. That's a new dabbing. Watch yeah, Cam Newton do that next season. The gravitational dab. <laughs> Wins the Super Bowl. He's going to do the gravitational yeah. wave. The whole Super Bowl. Everyone's going to be doing it. <laughs> so what is the most uh, pressing thing now that we know there's gravitational waves? So what's the most exciting thing now we can look at that we were never able to look at before? Well, black holes for sure. Mm-hmm. And in, to be honest with you, although we know a lot about black holes, we've never really seeing a black hole because they're mm-hmm. black. What we see is matter falling into it and it radiates maybe x-rays and that's how we know that there are black holes. Um, but seeing a black hole isn't matter. It's mass but it isn't matter. It's pure curved space. Mm. That's all it is. And when a black hole gets pinged, you know, you knock it with another black hole, which is what nature does, um, then that that's two pure curved space objects when they smash into each other. The only thing that comes out is ripples of curved space. And those that, are gravitational Can we waves. see that? or Because in the movies, it's always actually a black hole. Is that a misconception kind of? That's not really. Well, actually, the Interstellar, the movie, is pretty good because Kip Thorne, who, who developed a lot of our theory yeah. Yeah. of gravitational waves, was, uh, you know, uh, was um, uh, instrumental in that. He was the exec, one of the producers of that movie. Mm-hmm. And in mm-hmm. fact... And a guest on Surely You're Joking. Very ago. cool. Yep. Very cool. And um, in fact, the original script, I think, of that movie, Gravitational Waves, were featured prominently. And mm-hmm. then, you know, um, the producer said, oh, that's too complicated. That's we gotta, right. Yeah, Christopher that, Nolan said... Christopher uh, Nolan yeah, said... not going to work. Too complicated. <laughs> now, I, I'm, this is Interstellar we're talking about, which was already a ridiculously complicated right. movie. <laughs> yeah. But he thought Gravitational Waves were too complicated even for that. So, stay tuned for Interstellar 2. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Can't wait for that one. I got a suggestion online that should be called Advanced Interstellar after Advanced LIGO. Yeah. All right. That yeah. did not <laughs> go well. Well, That's I'm true. looking forward to Anne Hathaway doing the wave. Well, uh-huh. I am too. Uh, well, so this is a, a kind of a, a dumb question, but when you said matter can fall into a black hole, what happens to it? 
Oh, that's what? That's question. not a dumb question. That's a very deep question. Well, that's I mean, it's a simple question. question, but not a simple answer, maybe. Well, on the way in, of course, it rate, it's, it's accelerated by the strong gravitational field, and we see that accelerated energy as X-rays. And we have X-ray telescopes that can see it. They, they, they're in space uh, that can see these things. That's how we know. But then, you know what happens when you fall into a black You are lost. Once you cross the event horizon of a black hole, you are lost to this universe. What does that mean, lost to this universe? Well, you know, a black hole um, has an event horizon, and inside that event horizon, anything that's in there, not only can't it get out, but it can't even send signals out because light is trapped inside of it. So any way that you want to communicate, you can't. It's as if the inside of the black hole was lost to this universe. Okay? The only way you can actually tell um, is if you ping it with another black hole smashing into it. Then oh. stuff comes out. Okay? Is it going to tell you about all the stuff that fell in? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> and another, of course, there's also something called Hawking radiation. Black holes actually do radiate. They're not completely black. And Hawking radiation, which can take the form of electromagnetic radiation, might carry all that information back out so you know what fell in. We don't know. If a human, let's say, you know, uh, uh, hypothetically, if a human came in there, fell into a black hole, would basically you, you, you're, you would physically still keep your form, but you'd just be floating around? I mean, what would actually happen? Well, a spaghettification, of course. <laughs> spaghettification. <laughs> I do not know if what you spaghettification don't know what I mean, is. Just go onto YouTube and type black hole spaghettification. All of you will listen to this podcast. Yes. We've talked about spaghettification. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll tell many, you many, many times. Yeah, I've never I listened love, to this podcast. I, I, I love how Griff is just like, yeah, we talked about the three other episodes, but I'm going to. I might not have been there for those episodes, <laughs> yeah. by the way. Oh, that's right. You were in Romania. Yeah. That's oh, right. That's that's deal, guys. He was in Romania. Yeah, 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 that's that's too much. got mugged. What's that? Nothing. Anyway. <laughs> um, do you ever get ejected out of another black hole? You mean like a wormhole? Oh, that's a different thing. Well, yeah, I don't what, what know. What exactly is a wormhole, too? <laughs> you know, um, uh, this is theory. Um, and one of the, you know, it, it was Kip Thorne who comes, you know, he was pioneers of some of this theory. And he wrote a fantastic book, everybody should read it, called Black Holes, Wormholes, and Time Travel. Great. Um, and one of those ideas is that if there's a black hole, it could produce strongly curved space-time that doesn't just go to some infinite singularity, but instead comes back out somewhere else in the galaxy, probably the delta quadrant, and out there it's a white hole, okay? All the stuff is coming out, okay? Science fiction, you guys, science fiction. There's a black hole, white hole, never heard of a yellow hole. I mean, you know, I feel like this is <laughs> underrepresented, racist. underrepresented in, 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 in the, the space universe. community. Yeah, so I don't know if you guys remember Star Trek um, Deep Space Nine. But that was the premise there. There was a space station by a wormhole, and um, people would go into it somehow. They would stabilize the wormhole with their mm -hmm. Heisenberg compensators. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I love that, because um, we have real Heisenberg compensators, by the way. We really ah. do. Uh, but anyway, um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, and we use them in LIGO, or we'll be using them in LIGO soon. But anyway, the, um, these, um, uh, uh, this, this uh, wormhole would connect up uh, the Alpha Quadrant, where you know the Federation is, with the Delta Quadrant far away in our galaxy. But who knows? Maybe you can get a wormhole connect up to a zillion galaxies. This is science fiction, you guys. I'm a scientist. I don't know why I'm talking about it. <laughs> <laughs>
So uh, another really fun thing about uh, this this de detection is just the tremendous amount of energy that was involved. Oh yeah, for two yeah. tenths of a second, the first event we observed outshone the rest of the universe in gravitational waves. Wow! But nearly no and light. That's but no <laughs> light at all. No light. Probably yeah. no light uh. at all. But it outshone the universe. What does that mean exactly? Well, <laughs> ten to the fifty-six ergs. <laughs> Duh. Duh. Yeah. Right. Duh. Yeah. Duh. We get it. Okay. And uh, a solar uh, luminosity. Okay, it's much smaller than that, like ten to the thirty-three ergs. Um, and so this is a hundred billion trillion suns. Wow. Worth of. Um, of, of electromagnetic energy, uh -huh. but we didn't see it with electromagnetic energy. It's no electromagnetic, mm -hmm. it's all gravitational waves. Electromagnetic would be light. Light, right. okay. but of all kinds, right? Not just visible light, radio, x-rays, everything. Mm -hmm. okay. So Griff, you asked about E equals MC squared. Um, oh, I didn't, the neat didn't get to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> didn't, didn't get to that. Okay, all so right. this is all based on Einstein's theories, and Einstein's theories are based, of course, on E equals MC squared. So in this case, the two black holes are orbiting each other, they, s they eventually sm smash into each other. They lose energy by emitting gravitational waves. They f they, their orbit decays. When, the, when an orbit decays, it actually moves faster. That's Kepler's laws, if you happen to know. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, Kepler, this 400 years ago, so they knew that. In a gravitational potential, uh, you l when you lose energy, you actually go faster, not slower. Okay, mm -hmm. because you pick up gravitational energy. So anyway, you're going faster and faster and faster, lose energy, your, your orbit decays more and more until eventually these two black holes merge into one. The mass of one of the black holes we saw was about 30 solar masses. The mass of the other was about 40 solar masses, 40 times the mass of the sun. Add that together, that's 70. It leads to one final black hole of 67 solar masses. There's three solar masses missing. That was radiated as gravitational waves. Mm. Take the mass, three solar masses of energy, convert it to energy by E equals mc squared. You are outshining the rest of the universe. That's insane. For two tenths of a second. How do we know that? How do we know how, how much the rest of the universe is shining? Or how much energy billions the rest of the universe Billions and billions of stars. Okay, so, you know, Those are the we easy have, ones. We can with, count them. Well, we, <laughs> we not only can, but we do, of course. So there we are, know how big the universe is well, and, 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 the and how many stars theory, and, yeah, the visible all, universe. All the way down to the Big Bang where that yeah. happened, right? The, the, the observable universe is maybe, it's, well, it's somewhere about 20 billion light years. Okay? The universe is about... 13.7, 13.8, we know it's the three significant digits, um, billion years old. Mm -hmm. And due to the curvature of space-time, it means we can f see out, you know, to at least that much, maybe mm -hmm. further. That's the observable universe. There's plenty of universe beyond that. We can never see the light of that. How come we can't see it? Now with gravitational waves, can we see it? Nope, nope. Still it's got to no. travel faster than the speed of light, and nothing travels faster than, that we know of travels faster than the speed of light. So we can't see beyond what's called the Hubble horizon of the universe. And in the Hubble horizon, there's on the order of 100 billion galaxies, each with 10 to 100 billion stars, like our sun, more or less. Some are smaller, some are bigger. So you, you run the numbers, mm -hmm. and you roughly know how much energy in light, in electromagnetic radiation, is being radiated by all of this. Uh -huh. Now, it's not just light that's being radiated. 
Also, when stars explode in supernovas, they also emit a huge amount of neutrinos. And we've actually seen that. In 1987, there was a supernova in a, in a galaxy very near by to ours, one of the dwarf satellite galaxies called the Magellanic Cloud. Um, and, um, uh, <laughs> Which, and oddly it, enough, was the same direction this other one was coming. Roughly but the same, way, roughly. I noticed they didn't point out uh, that it was uh, way further, because they said, they, they forgot to mention, like, not from the Magellanic Cloud, just in that direction. <laughs> That's right. That's I'm right. not saying it's coincidence, but that was also the year I was born. So that Ooh. might have been the year. Was the massive energy close to Hong Kong when you guys observed it? I feel like it might have been. You may yeah. have yeah, a reason the... due to a burst of neutrinos. Yeah. In fact, um, you know, I don't know exactly what makes, you know, because I'm not a biologist, you know. Uh, what makes people, but neutrinos might have. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Do Asians emit neutrinos? Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, Actually, I just want to make sure. Neutrinos. Uh, supernovas make emit lots of a neutrinos. Lot, yeah. You know, I'm a particle physicist as well as a gravitational mm -hmm. physicist, so I know a lot about all those things. And they're all um, to most people. For example, in the case of neutrinos, they always say the ghostly, mysterious particles. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> and I, I studied neutrinos for years and years. They're not ghostly or mysterious to me. Really at all. I mean, they are hard to see. But you know what? Gravitational waves are even harder to see. Mm -hmm. uh, it took us a long time. I also was uh, somewhat involved in, in, you know, I for many years studied the Higgs. That was a hard one to find. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're all part of those, both of those? That's great. Uh, well, I wasn't part of the Higgs discovery, uh -huh. although I worked on the Higgs back in the day when the accelerator was here in the United States, supposed to be here in the United States, mm -hmm. the so-called super collider. I worked on, 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 on plans for discovering the Higgs with the super collider. That got canceled by, mm -hmm. by Congress because it was just too expensive. So it got moved to Europe, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, the, um, the, um, those are all f um, phenomena that, um, you know, when they were first... Um, observed in the case of neutrinos, it was um, uh, they looked for it because they were predicted. Same thing with gravitational waves. We looked for them. They were predicted. We knew we were going to find them. And actually, even the Higgs, at some level, we were pretty confident we were going to find the Higgs. It was predicted. It was part of the standard model. Pretty much we're sure with enough work, we'll find it. There are some things that we don't know whether we're going to find or not. So if we find those, they'll be really you know, mind-blowing. Mm -hmm. And the, the classic example is supersymmetry. So stay mm -hmm. tuned for the Large Hadron Collider, the place where they discovered the Higgs. They've been looking for supersymmetry all this time. One day they might find it. That's big. Mm -hmm. That's really big because we don't know if it's there or not. And if it is there, it's a totally different way of viewing the universe. In the same way that Einstein's theory 100 years ago was a totally different way of viewing the universe. It's amazing how big the universe is and how some of us think we're important and matter. It's just amazing. You know, all of us matter. <laughs> I like that, that joe. I, all shit of us are to made say, of matter. <laughs> all of us are made of matter. And yeah. it's all about perspective. It. And there's plenty of people who ask me, especially now that we've detected gravitational waves, what does this mean to me? Why should I give right, a crap? Right. Why should? And you know, I look at them and I say, maybe you shouldn't give a crap. Right? If you Bingo. don't care, that's, that's, then that's what don't I say too. care. Who am I to make you care? Yeah. But that's, if I get you asked do that all care, the time, and I'm just like, oh, nothing, everything. Who cares? Right. <laughs> but if you do care about things other than yourself, then you might care about the universe around you. 
And if you do, you probably should care about gravitational waves because they're ultra cool. Maybe not as cool as you. <laughs> so now we have a clear picture of, say, the Big Bang and how the universe came about. Well, please don't ask me the questions like, you know, why and what happened before the Big Bang and all that kind of stuff. Okay. But um, we have a pretty good set of, um, of uh, ideas about how the universe evolved from the first um, 10 to the minus 9 or 10 seconds after the Big Bang or even earlier than that. Um, and we have now bucket loads of experimental evidence that confirms it. So actually, the, the Big Bang is a really well-tested theory now. The problem is that the earlier you go towards the bang itself, and remember, this wasn't a bang. It was just the creation of the universe, OK? And the earlier you go, and I'm talking in scientific notation, 10 to the minus 9 seconds, then the minus 12 seconds, then the minus 18 seconds, when you get to a certain point, we don't know the physics because it because the universe was so hot and dense then that we've never been able to recreate those conditions to actually study what the laws of physics are the mm -hmm. nuclear the laws of nuclear and particle physics are only measured up to a certain point and not beyond. Like even the black holes colliding, this is a weird thing about this is it was actually cold, right? I mean the gravity waves are given off, but it's not warm in any other sense other than that. So it, even the collision of two black holes is not like a hot event the way the it's Big cold. Bang is. You know, it doesn't go to the, the right. well, it's not quantum mechanically heat, hot. When we think heat, we think or, you know, ordinary matter, electrons uh -huh. and protons and neutrons buzzing about really, really fast. That's what produces heat, uh, mm -hmm. atoms. There are no atoms here at all. But black holes have a temperature. Hmm. In fact, it was Hawking who taught us that. Black mm -hmm. holes have a temperature. It goes like um, uh, the, um, the area of the black hole. It's not been experimentally verified, but you know, the, the physics is pretty solid. Okay? And um, in fact, string theory thinks they know exactly why it has the temperature <laughs> it does. Um, uh, so maybe if string theory is right, we think we have an explanation. But really, it, you know, it's, it's, it's not ordinary matter. It's not, ma it's not matter at all. It's just curved space. Mm -hmm. So temperature, you have to think harder about what it means there and how hot it really is. It's not matter. There's such a thing called antimatter, correct? Oh, yes. What's the difference between antimatter and just curved space? Ah, okay. So antimatter is a form of matter, not a common form. We're not made of antimatter, but in particle accelerators, they make antimatter all the time. In a previous life, I was a particle physicist. I studied antimatter in great detail. Antimatter, we have beautifully accurate theories of, quantum mechanical theories. Um, and we understand antimatter really, really well now. And discovered here at Caltech. Um, everything was, was discovered, discovered here, here at Caltech. Yep. That's right, in, a, in the building that I occupy right now. Right. <laughs> okay, uh, there's a little plaque on there, something like mm -hmm. that. Uh, it was discovered in cosmic rays that were are, are coming to the uh, you know coming to the Earth from you know the cosmos and hitting the upper atmosphere and making sprays of neutrinos and muons and positive muons and negative muons. Negative muons are matter and positive muons are antimatter. And this was detected by the one of the early particle detectors invented uh, by Anderson here at Caltech um, uh, a long time ago. But once they fall into a black hole, though, it all loses it's all, all that information. All gone. Yeah. Antimatter <laughs> and curved space mixed together. Is there a name for that? A well, big fat mess. Mass energy. <laughs> is, uh, um, but the, the problem is that all that matter that falls in matter actually carries a lot of information. And, it, and, and 
when it falls into a black hole, it's lost from the universe, which means, in some sense, in a really precise sense, by the way. Um, and that um, information loss violates the laws of quantum mechanics. And we believe the laws of quantum mechanics are absolutely right. So mm. we have Some a problem. <laughs> we have a big problem. It's called the quantum information paradox. It's one of the biggest questions and issues in all of physics today, in fundamental physics today. It's a very deep, difficult to understand question. Google it. The quantum information paradox. To and that comes from matter carrying information falling into black holes. To give you an idea of how uh, hard it is, Stephen Hawking publishes a new version of his explanation for it about every six months or so. He's, oh, and he's so the media goes crazy. They're like, oh, he's finally solved it. And then people will disagree or argue. And if it's, it's just like all over the place now. Like, there's so <laughs> many different opinions. And... We just all, oh, it's Stephen Hawking, so whatever he says, we'll just wait till he says it again no, another six no, months. No, that's not true, because when other people are Kip Thorne and... and are there uh, other guys, like, you don't know, are there other scientists out there like, dude, Stephen, you don't know what you're talking about? Yeah, there's people who would say that in this case. Well, oh, I don't yes, say it like, maybe... Not, not like that. that sometimes either. they yeah. even say it Yeah, like sometimes that. they even <laughs> say it, yeah. I would say Bro, that. you're wrong. <laughs> just like that? Yeah, there are a few people like that. Yeah. If uh, So there's a gravitational pull from a... Black hole, if the Earth got close enough to it, it would just suck it in? Um, yeah, we'd be spaghettified on the way down. Don't forget. And what that means is that um, the t <laughs> uh, gravity um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the Earth and the, the Sun and the Moon make tides on the Earth. From the gravitational pull is stronger on the close side than on the far side. Same thing will happen to us. Let's say we're falling into a black hole feet first. The feet get pulled harder than the head, stretching us out. There are also tidal forces that squeeze you laterally. So you get squeezed laterally, you get laterally, you get pulled, um, you know, along your um, uh, your feet, uh, the line between your feet and your head, and you turn into spaghetti. Um, that'll probably hurt pretty badly. If you have a big enough black hole, it won't hurt that much. You'll just fall in and hardly notice anything. Mm -hmm. Which you is float our, around, or what? And that happens well, in interstellar. Well, floating and that's around why, in space-time. That happens. That's in why Matthew McConaughey survives. It was a big issue because a lot of people said, "Oh, interstellar got this wrong. You would never be able to fall in." But I remember that um, uh, it was a problem in Kip Thorne's class where he that was he was already planning interstellar back then. I think. Oh yeah. So he, that was the homework problem. It was like, what before size Anne does Hathaway a black was born? Right. Mm. <laughs> How big does a black hole have to be before you can fall in and not die? What was the answer? It's big. I'm hundred thousand, I think. Hundred thousand. Which is gargantuan. Yeah. Mm. And we're talking um, for the ones we just observed, 30, 40 solar masses. Right. So yeah, that's something we should point out to uh, our listeners. I guess the, this is different. This is a different beast from the uh, the, the super massive, massive black, black hole in the center of our galaxy. And, and apparently, almost every galaxy. It seems like. Uh, it seems like it. A lot yeah. of them are, uh, if not, if not. All than many or most. Right. So there's four million solar mass black hole in the center of our galaxy. As opposed to remember, forty was earlier, so way bigger, right? Hundred thousand right. times bigger. And we know of galaxies that have hundred or even close to a billion solar mass black mm -hmm. holes, and we know wow. because stuff falls into it and radiates, and they can radiate quite a lot of energy. These are called active galactic nuclei. We, ha we know of a lot of active galactic nuclei um, in, in our you know, observable universe. There's a lot that aren't. Our galaxy is not active. Not many things Which are Which is good, in. though, right? I mean, would I we think so. I don't think we'd survive. We'd be fried a, pretty badly. Yeah. yeah. I, I, well, I t uh, this morning I mentioned that, that some people have said 
that that is a limit on the Fermi paradox. That the occasionally, uh, you know, some, there's an, an active enough black hole that eats something and shoots out a jet of gamma rays and just like sterilizes the entire galaxy. And that that might be one reason why right. we're alone is that we just happen to have been. <laughs> The one spot that wasn't like irradiated by this. More Which, likely, we'll just all kill ourselves. Right. <laughs> That's the goal of modern science: is to make sure that if we're gonna die off, it's our own doing and not yeah, nature. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's the purpose of life, I think. So when you throw something in the black hole, you can't fish it out. It just goes into some you can try. dimension yeah. or something. Yeah. Could you fish it <laughs> out? Just, yeah. Yeah, you can. You know, throw in your hook, and then you know yeah. the hook goes in, and then the that was the how it was in Big Hero Six. Well, I think you should definitely pull uh, like a Sandra Bullock in Gravity and just push off the person and say, "Well, you know, good luck." Well, you just throw. Yeah, you just throw a fish hook in there and see if you pull anything out. Well, more likely it'll pull you in. I think it'll pull you in. Like one of those shark movies. I think that's more likely. Have you ever seen those, you know, the scenes in a movie where the rope is like falling really fast, faster and faster? And then at the last minute, the bad guy realizes that it's tied around his leg. Don't do that. That's what Interstellar should have been like. That would have been a so much better movie. If, if, if McConaughey's like, oh no, and then the black hole just sucks him in, the movie's over. That's this my version of it. not all right. <laughs> How oh did no, it's not all right, all right, all right. How did McConaughey get out of the black hole? Well, he had a wormhole, too. That's a so. wormhole. Well, he had no, no, people there was who had access to nearby. It. Yeah. All right, there was a wormhole nearby. Oh, look, this is a movie, you guys. But, but uh, there was, was Gargantua. Docu- I thought it was a documentary. Uh, <laughs> it's a reality TV show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, more more realistic than a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, <laughs> um, uh, Gargantua was the big one, but there was a wormhole nearby. That's how he got there. Okay, I you know I'm not an expert on this movie. Let me tell you, but um, uh, uh, the wormhole part is more science fiction. Gargantua was um, uh, actually all the images you see in the movie are all you know actual solutions or attempts at solutions at Einstein, of Einstein's equations. They were mm. more or less accurate. Kip Thorne insisted on this. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they published several scientific papers based on the simulations, the calculations they did to simulate uh, Gargantua. And the reason for that is that Hollywood has more money for computers than the National Science Foundation mm. does. <laughs> right, right, right. Message. Message here. And you know why? Priorities. Because the National Science Foundation never makes a dime, whereas movies make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, we discussed with uh, um, Emily uh, Lockwell from the Planetary Society, she's senior editor, and we had a whole strategy there. We were saying, thinking maybe Hollywood just needs to make a movie about each planet that we want to visit or a moon, you know, so you want, you got to do a Europa, Mars got lots of, you know, enough money to fund another mission to Mars yeah. if it no, went no, to no. To make right. the movie. Yeah. Right? To make the movie, you got to send, you know, a mission there to, to do the <laughs> yeah, filming. That's even to better, do the filming. Yeah. I mean, look, they film around my neighborhood in Pasadena, okay? They spend a lot of money on these shoots, and then you got three seconds of a car commercial, okay? <laughs> I think that money could easily be spent on missions to Europa, and you'd get some pretty nice footage. You might yeah. use more than three seconds of it. What's well, exactly why James Cameron shot a Titanic, because he just wanted to dive in there and that's see That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, jokes aside, that's the only reason. He's like, I just want to go way down there, and uh-huh. then he just... Yeah, to trick the movie to, like studios to pay him to go down there. So right. we, we totally do that true. with space. Yeah, <laughs> DiCaprio would be like, what's my motivation in this scene? And he would just like, say over uh, and over, your motivation is to send me to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> yeah, as uh, to win an Oscar. <laughs> uh, I have a, another question. Is this going to give us a better idea of how many 
of these small black holes are really nearby. Like how many are in our galactic center orbiting our big thing? Because when I talk uh, to yes people no. from uh, New Star, I think hopefully we'll have somebody from oh, there yeah. in the future. Oh, yeah. They said, uh, you know, they. I never really realized this, but like there's a zillion neutron stars and black holes that they think are all clustered there. That's right. And they're probably in this range, you know, somewhere between two and you know, maybe a hundred solar masses or something, and we don't really have a way to see them, I think, right that's now. That's so, right. Uh, so do that's... you think we're going to be seeing those, or is that is that just too rare? No, it comes down to money once again. Because Li LIGO, the detector I work on, can't detect anything um, that vibrates at lower frequencies than about audio, mm -hmm. okay? That requires really tight binaries, very tight right. orbits. And those are so rare that they're, they're far away, because right. there's a lot more space far away than there is close by. There, the, the merger rate, it's, you know, the binary black holes in our galaxy is one every 100,000 years. Okay, mm -hmm. so you're not gonna wait that long. But sure. there are loads and loads of neutron stars orbiting white dwarfs and white dwarfs orbiting each other in our galaxy close up, but they orbit slower. So they make lower frequency gravitational waves, but the Earth is vibrating too much at low frequencies for us to detect it. Up earthquakes and things like that. Yeah, uh, well, you know, just, just everything. Stuff. You know what it is? It's the it's it's the, the waves, it's the ocean waves hitting the beach. They make something called the micro-seismic motion of, uh, of all the, the entire um, uh, the the plates, crust. The, uh -huh. crust, the crust of the earth is vibrating due to the sloshing of the ocean. Mm. Wow, so really? that prevents That's us awesome. from detecting uh -huh. gravitational waves from black holes from billions of light years away. Okay? Uh -huh. but, the surfers listening are like, sorry, bro. That's what? Yes, yeah, sorry, sorry, bro. But the solution, of course, is to take our detectors and send them into outer space. Right. And we're ready to do that. I'm telling you, we developed right. all the technology. We know how to do that. All we want is $3 billion. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, surely you're joking, listeners. Please send your fraction yeah, yeah. of $3 million. No, we just did yeah, a movie, yeah. you know? Because, <laughs> right. you know, turn this into a pledge drive. Yeah. 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 Jimmy yeah. wants to be on it yeah. really I bad. think it's We're a gonna, Pirates of the Caribbean will... 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. That's, yeah. it. Yeah. that's all you need. All you need is Johnny Depp, and then we'll, we'll have a or, thing in space. Or mm -hmm. Star Wars, the second one coming out. That's about all you need. Yeah. So if you're in your lab and a UPS truck drives by, it completely messes up the whole experiment? Oh, yes, indeed it does. <laughs> oh no UPS trucks anywhere near our experiment. They're in the middle of nowhere. But yeah. I heard that you did have a squirrel problem or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Is that true? I don't know you what this means, it. but we I like fires, it. We have fires, we have earthquakes, we have some guy smashed his car into our place. Oh, uh, my God. You, you got it all. We had locusts. We had... You know, we had every biblical plague you can think of, actually. Uh -huh. That's what happens when you build something big. And so, again, our detectors are four kilometers. Because you mess with God, yeah, man. Wait, was Jesus. This, <laughs> was this because you were, we're being... We're not messing with God. We're <laughs> listening to God. Yes, we're looking exactly. for him. Yeah, were you being tested or was this... We do this test ourselves. Uh -huh. We secretly inject signals into our data uh -huh. and don't tell people. Okay? Like me. Huh. I didn't know. Um, and then we would find the signal and we would get all excited and we'd analyze it all and we'd write a paper and we'd get ready to send it to the journal and then they'd say, ah, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, I have an envelope in my pocket. And they open up the envelope and oh my God, this was a blind injection. What kind of <laughs> sick game show is that? Oh man, it drove us. I don't know, but Steve Harvey is probably knew, hosting it. Yeah, <laughs> we were, we were uh, there, You know, maybe for this event today, you know, he announced it, and Steve Harvey's going to tell us at the end, just like, sorry, my sorry. fault. I was I supposed swear to tell you. I thought that might <laughs> sorry, happen. Sorry, that planet we just discovered wasn't real. <laughs> I thought that might happen until this morning, because this morning <laughs> they let us go on. 
Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Wow. They let us go on, and so that's how we knew it wasn't a blind injection. But to this day, I don't know whether it's a double blind injection. <laughs> oh. Maybe nobody knows. How many hot in here? Or it could have been a triple blind injection. Now, in a tr- it's not a joke, okay? A trip, <laughs> a double blind injection, you know, is where nobody knows. Nobody knows. Even the people who think they know don't know, okay? But a triple blind, in the case of a double blind injection, there has to be an envelope somewhere so that you find out. In a triple blind injection, there's no envelope. It's done by uh. a malicious person. Oh, I see. You know, maybe one of these LIGO employees, like, lost their job, and they, you know, go postal, and they (laughs) say, I know how to get back at these people. Sure, I could shoot them up or something, but that's not No, I know how to really get these people. Put in an injection to fake a gravitational Mm. wave signal. Don't tell anybody. Leave no trace. That's so diabolical. we thought about this. It's very <laughs> diabolical. We thought about this. We thought hard about this. We finally concluded that anybody who could do that is smarter than us. And, you know, most people who go postal aren't really very smart. Hmm. But there's the evil That's the geniuses. Kind of <laughs> That's right. the kind of talk that makes people go postal, by the way. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> then are we talking are with the... a guy that might go postal in the future? <laughs> <laughs> then there are the evil geniuses. They are smarter than us. And you can't rule out an evil genius because they're smarter than we are. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. This is a great, a great movie. And then it turns out the plot, the twist at the end, Stephen Hawkins was the evil genius. <laughs> <laughs> screwed all of us over. <laughs> Could be we don't know. This is the kind of thing that keeps me up at night. It might make me lose so much sleep, I could go postal. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, that's messed up, because how many times have you, like, oh my god, we got it, and then it was a blind um, That actually injection. happened two or three times. Oh my god. And in each of those times, we knew that a blind injection was possible, so so then you got a real psychological quandary here. Okay? Yeah, you can't you get could, excited. If you, you, you have a choice. One half of your brain is going, this is a blind injection, I need to get some sleep. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not even going to. Another half of your brain is going, this could be real. This could be Nobel Prize. I'm going to stay up all night. Mm-hmm. Meltdown. This is when your brain melts right. down. Okay? Mm-hmm. You got two sides of your brain arguing against each other. You know what happens. It, it drives you crazy. Um, this is a feeling I know all too well. <laughs> that, that is so absolutely insane. Like You don't know if you're actually going to say win an Oscar or win a Nobel Prize. Or is this whole thing just a sham? You know, I can see where your mind is at. I don't think we're going to win any Oscars. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it exactly the same? Doesn't that happen, though? Like, you're at the Oscars, you win or lose. It happened to Michael Keaton. You saw it in his face. (laughs) You saw it in Michael Keaton's face last year. He was was reaching (laughs) his pocket. He he got his speech ready, and then they announced whoever won it, and they stuffed it back in his pocket. Then Jay-Z runs onto onto the podium. And yeah. grabs the thing away from you and hands it to Beyonce. It, it's Kanye West. Kanye West. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It's, um, Speaking of Nobel Prize, uh, someone's going to win a Nobel Prize out of this, right? I'd uh, like to think, and it yeah, won't be me. It won't be you. No. Okay. Uh, I'm too so, short. <laughs> Owen would love that. If you right now, we're going to tell him that one. Owen's really tall, and he he says he's a victim, and he hates short people. And so he, yeah. that's why we don't let him on the yep, show. We know. <laughs> I, I know about people like that. 
So, um, yeah, so I, I, do you think uh, Kip would win a prize? I'd like to think so. I and, sure hope um, so, but mostly And in for MIT, um, the, uh, so Kip was the theorist who came up with all the ideas about mm -hmm. how to do this. And at MIT, there's a guy named Ray Weiss, mm -hmm. and he was the, inc the incredibly insightful experimentalist who knew how, or had a vision for how, to build a device so precise that it could measure it. They were a great team. They were the founders, our godfathers of LIGO. Mm -hmm. And boy, they're a very good set of choices. Although I liked the, the uh, speaker today who was like, actually, is Rush an idea? Whole time. We know that. We know those guys. <laughs> and those guys you are actually... brilliant. And you know, there's uh, definitely truth to it. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for being on the show. That's really, this is exciting news. I'm like actually kind of worn out because I, uh, I was too excited. <laughs> I was like staying up uh, thinking about it. Um, congratulations My very pleasure. much, uh, thanks Professor very much. Weinstein, and thanks for being on Shirley, you're joking. Bye. Okay. Yeah.